Oh, man, what a great song. What a great way to start our teaching time. So do me a favor. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 17, uh, John 17, verse 20. And um, <clears throat> while you're turning there, uh, I want to bring a couple things to your attention. Uh, well, first of all, we're finishing up our series this week, our Believe series. And next week, we're going to go and do our Authentic series. And so I've really kind of parked uh, for the summer. I've spent much of the summer in John chapter 13 and John chapter 17. And, and uh, it's kind of this teaching of Christ that we don't get in the other three Gospels. It's only in the fourth Gospel that we get this. So, so I've really spent a lot of time here. And uh, I've actually left a couple sermons on the table. And John, I'd love to come back to and revisit and so I intend to do that at some point in the future as the preaching calendar allows, okay? Uh, there's a note sheet. You can follow along with me. I want to remind you, actually, this week, uh, if you remember way back in the spring, uh, we prayed over our missions teams. And I said we were sending three teams out on missions trips this summer. We sent a team to Honduras. Uh, we sent a team to New Mexico. And this week, actually on Friday, we've got a team of five that's leaving for Guatemala. And so I uh, just want to put them in front of you to remind you to be praying for them. Um, and they're going. Friday, and they'll be, be in Guatemala for about a week and be back. Hopefully, they'll be posting things on, on Facebook. Was one of the things you've seen on these trips is uh, internet is not always available as, as available as it is here, so uh, they'll do that as internet and things like that allow as time allows. So you can be praying for them, okay? Uh, so if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 20. I'm finishing up the, the prayer of Christ and uh, oh, to, over his 11 disciples. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with with you. Okay, that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a, a copy of God's Word. Uh, when I was dating my wife, and so uh, I'm, uh, I'm a huge sports fan, as you guys know. Probably use too many sports illustrations, but um, sports are a microcosm of life, so you know, you got to get with the program. Uh, but uh, when I was dating my wife, she was actually a babysitter uh, for the New York Mets during Mets games. So the players would come and drop their young kids off, and she would babysit them. And so, like on one of our very first dates, uh, I went to Shea Stadium, uh, sat in great seats right behind home plate, and then after the game, I was in the tunnels uh, afterwards, and I'm meeting her where she's babysitting, and here come these Mets players that I had always read about, you know, in the USA Today or whatever, or you see on ESPN, they're like, like, wow, like, there's Poppy Bonilla, you know, there's Daryl Strawberry, there's Doc, like, all these Mets, you know, and I'm just in awe. So I did what any sports fan would do. I proposed to my wife on the spot, right? I was like, hey, you want to get married? This seems like a good fit. I like sports. You like me, you know, kind of thing. And and uh, so, no, I, it wasn't soon after that anyway, but uh, I figured out I had a good catch. But, um, you know, have you ever met someone that you're like, wow, how great? Now, uh, this morning, we're actually going to look at the, at the prayer of Christ. And I remember I've been telling you, like, this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus Christ. And he actually breaks it up. There's sections in the prayer where first it's his prayer to his heavenly father. Then last week we looked at how he prayed over his 11 disciples. And then, and here's an incredible truth, okay? In this last section of his prayer, he prayed specifically for you. Fascinating. So here I got to meet New York Max. I mean, you know, the, I got to meet people that were, I was like, wow, this is awesome. But think about this. The most important person who ever set foot on planet Earth said a prayer for you. Fascinating, isn't it? We should be captured and we should be gripped by this. So check this out. John chapter 17, verse 20. John 17, verse 20. Jesus says this. He's concluding his prayer. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples. So he's talking about his 11 that are with him right there but also for all 
even me through their message. He's praying for you. Isn't that neat? I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us also that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Here's Jesus' prayer, ready? He prays for his followers, you and I, to have unity. He prays that we would have unity. And, and as I look at that prayer and I think about Jesus Christ praying for me, I kind of back up and I go, so that's the prayer? You know, like of all the things he could have prayed, like that's the prayer. I mean, I want you to think about this for a minute, ready? Of all the things that Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, handing off his mission to the church, the message, the gospel, freedom, joy, hope, reconciliation of God to man. Of all that he could have prayed, here's what he prays. Heavenly Father, I pray that they'll get along. <laughs> That's what he prayed, right? I mean, why not, like, why not pray like, hey, Heavenly Father, why don't you make them rich so that the world will know that I'm blessing them? Why not pray that prayer, right? Heavenly Father, why don't you, I pray that their bodies would always be healed so that my glory and my healing power will be shown off through my followers. Why do you pray that prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll put them all in key strategic political positions so that the church will have an easy time of it in making Christ famous and taking the gospel of the rest of the world. Why do you pray that prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray they'd get along. <laughs> Not so easy to do, is it? I mean, if you've been in church life for any length of time, you know that's not easy to do. Heavenly Father, keep them unified. Keep them as one, just as you and I are one. That was the prayer of Christ, that we would get along. And Jesus says, I'm leaving them here, and I'm praying that they'd be unified. Now, church, it's important for you to understand something this morning. You know, I, I push back on this from time to time. I make jokes of it with people from time to time. A lot of times people say, hey, you know what? I, um, I'm not going to be able to come to church, or I'm not going to church. And I always say that's kind of a bad use of language. Like, we, the church is not an institution. A church is not a building you go to. The church is people. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you are, the church means to be called out. Okay, you are now called out to be different, to be holy, to make Christ famous. You, if you're a follower of Christ, are the church. You don't go to church. The church goes with you. Does that make sense? Because if you go to church, then you can kind of leave it there and then go do whatever you want the rest of the week. That's not the way it works. You are the church. You're called out to be different. We're not some institution out there. It's a group of people that are committed to Christ and are committed to one another. You're the church. And this is an important prayer because Jesus prays that we would work together in unity so that we can make Christ famous. You're called out to work in unity. Let me ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. You think the church in America is unified? We'll come back to that in a minute. 
And by the way, unity is not uniformity. Like unity is not like we're all the same. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The Bible's really actually quite uh, realistic about this and, ta- and, and actually glorifies our differences. Because unity is not uniformity. Unity is not a bunch, that we're a bunch of cookie-cutter people. In fact, the illustration that the Bible often uses to describe the church is the church is a body. All right, we function with many different parts. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 12, verse 4. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are, ma- we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul goes on to say, he actually says, you know, uh, uh, we function as a body. And so um, you don't get to say, I don't want to be the part of the body that God made me to be. And he uses a funny, it's kind of, I think, kind of funny, like the foot. He says, the foot doesn't get to say, I'm tired of being the foot. Like everybody's walking all over me all the time. Like I'm tired of that. And so, you know, I'd like to be the ear or I'd like to be the eye or I'd like to, like it doesn't work that way. There is a unit. There's a, even though we're not cookie cutter, we're different, but we're, we come together in unity to make Christ famous and all our differences God uses to make the body complete. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to commit yourself to a local body of believers, jump in and serve God. That's why we had our ministry fair next week, last week, because you got to serve others and use how God has wired you up. And Bethany's teaching our serve class today, or our second leg of the We Are Coastal class. I tell you, it's an amazing class. She takes you through how God wired you up, what your passions are, what your gifting is, and how you can serve the body of Christ. And Paul says, Jesus prays, they work together. Are they different? Of course they're differences. But Paul, in Romans, it's very clear. It is our differences. They don't cause disunity. Our differences are not to frustrate you. Our differences are not to make you jealous. Have you ever done that? Like you realize the gift that God has given you, and you go, I don't want my gift. I want that gift, right? I do that. I do that every time we're singing songs. I'm like, man, I wish I could sing. You know, I got a microphone. I just turn it on and start singing and bless the church, you know? Like, like we, we kind of gift project. Like, I want that one, right? And there, there's some people serving this body that, like, you, you don't even, like, I see them. You know, at the end of the last service, like, I see the folks that drag the trash out every week. They gather up them trash bags. No one knows, Right? There's some folks that come in here in midweek and like build stuff every week, volunteer. Hey, you need anything fixed around there? They just come in and do it. Like, no one sees that. But that's who they, that's my get. I'm serving this body. And there's unity even in our diversity. And, and you're part of the body of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and part of unity is using your time, your talent, and your money to serve others in the body of Christ. And Jesus prays for unity. But unity is not uniformity. We're all different. So let me ask you this. What, what is it that unifies us at Coastal? Like at this particular, this specific local church, what is it unifies us? First of all, what unifies us is our essential doctrines. And I'm not going to unpack all of these here this morning. I don't have time. Uh, uh, but let me go through. We have eight essential doctrines that we don't waver off of, okay? So if you can write fast, you can write these down, but you can also come to our We Are Coastal class, and we do unpack them there, okay? Um, but these are eight essential doctrines. We believe the Bible is God's word. We don't waver off that, all right? It's God's word to us. It's true. We build our lives upon it. We believe in, a, in, in the Trinity, okay? That's number two. We believe in the Trinity, the Trinitarian nature of our God, that God is one, but he, he, he reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that every human being, number three, every human being is born into sin. 
And the penalty of our sin is separation from God. And so, number four, we believe that we need saving from our sin. And the only way we can be saved from the penalty of our sin is the, mess, the person and work of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ. We're, that's an essential for us. And every human being needs to be saved from the penalty of sin. Number five, we believe, and I love this one, we believe deeply in the local church. Like there's not another mission. There's not another way that Jesus is gonna be made famous. It's going to come through the local church. That is what Jesus established in order to make his message, to take the name and fame of Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. I love the song we just sang. You know, God, till your church is established. Like, it bothers me when Christians are so negative on the church. The church is what God is doing. And is it difficult? Yes. And are other people the problem? Yes, because we're all a broken mess. And how much different would the church in this culture be if we forgave others as graciously as God forgave us? It'd be a different world passionate about the local church. It's what God is doing. We believe that every person is created for eternity and will live somewhere. It's not a matter of if you live for eternity. It's a matter of where. And where you spend eternity has everything to do with what you do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. We've just got done finishing up this week the Gospel of John over and over and over again. And the Gospel of John is the word belief and unbelief. What you do with the, God, what you do with the person and work of Christ has everything to do with where you'll spend eternity. We believe there's real enemies to our faith, especially the, even the devil, okay? We believe in a literal devil, literal enemies to the faith. And finally, that's number seven. Finally, number eight, we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, which means he can come at any moment, and we need to be ready for the return of Christ. That's what unifies us doctrinally, doctrinally at Coastal Community Church. We try to major on the majors and minor on the minors, all right? That's not always easy to do. But that's what we focus on doctrinally. Here's what unifies us in vision. Okay, here's what unifies us in vision at Coastal Community Church. We want to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. All right? We want to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We get up every single day and we ask, man, how can we do that better? How can we fulfill the Great Commission, which is to make Jesus famous in every tribe, tongue, and nation all around the globe, make disciples? of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. And the Great Commandment. How can we love God and love others? Okay, Jesus once asked to sum it all up. He said, Great Commandment, love God and love others. We are asking ourselves, week in and week out, how can we fulfill that? And we believe it's by developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, we want to connect you to Christ. That's the beginning point. Becoming an authentic follower of Jesus Christ is bowing a knee to his lordship and saying, you know what, I need him for saving from the penalty of my sin and following him. And if you're here this morning and you're a believer, we want to help you to grow, to be more like Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? You repent of your sin and believe in the person, work, and promises of Christ. The message is the same, believer and unbeliever. You become a Christian and you grow to be more like Christ by bowing a knee to the the Lordship of Christ, trusting his person, work, and his promises. We want to help you develop as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We believe the church is for both believers and unbelievers. It's not an either or, it's a tension to manage, and we live happily in that tension to do both. We're united in our vision. We're united in our process of how to fulfill the vision, okay? We're united in our process of how to fulfill the vision, okay? <clears throat> our process is, you guys probably know this, ready? Three things. It's what? Connect, what? 
grow and serve, okay? So connect is what we call corporate worship, okay? And so, and so when people refer to this time as the church, and I get that. A lot of people go, I'm going to church. Here's what they mean at Coastal. Here's what we mean by that. We're gathering in corporate worship, Gathering together because Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We do that to hear the word, to be, to be challenged, to sing, and to begin to build some relationships with God and with one another. Okay, And so that's corporate worship. And by the way, I want to thank you guys for making 815 your service. As you guys know, I mean, we're really full on Sunday morning, 945 especially. And so thank you for making this service. I know you guys have caught the vision. Hey, we want to free up seating and parking and other things for those who are investigating Christ. We want to make that a great opportunity and, and just to kind of keep a, a, a little bit of a bigger vision in front of you, because we're so full on Sunday mornings, um, <clears throat> we're going to be looking to launch a campus in the next 12 months because we don't have room uh, for, our, for, our, for seating, uh, for parking, and for children in our corporate worship at our main service time, okay? And so we have to begin to think strategically. How do we make sure there's room so that people can, can hear about the message of Christ, okay? So that's on our minds, and we're praying about that. We know that's where we're going, okay? So we connect in corporate worship. Number two, we grow by being in a small group community, all right? And, and so this morning, here's, and I'm, I'm going to pause here for a minute, okay? And, and I'm going to unpack because this is our small group sign-ups this morning, and um, <clears throat> And we're gonna we we're gonna journey together as a church next week during our authentic series and and our vision statement is develop authentic followers of Christ. So we've put some thought into what does it mean to be an authentic? What does authentic look like? And so we're gonna unpack that a little bit for six weeks, okay? And so, uh, but we want you, we want every single person in our body of believers to be in a six-week small group. And we think small groups are an incredibly important part of your discipleship process incredibly important part for you growing to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So give me just a minute here. Permit me one minute to talk a little bit about like what are they? Because maybe there's some folks here like I've never been in one or you know I have no idea what they are. Or maybe you've been in a lot and they're different and we wanted to explain to you what they're like at Coastal. Okay, so at Coastal, a small group is a personal sized gathering of people that engages and interacts with one another and with God wherever they are in their faith journey. So in other words, it's a smaller group of people that were interacting Acting. We're talking about spiritual things. There'll be some mature believers in your group that have been at it for a long, long time. There'll be some people investigating Jesus Christ, maybe never been in a small group before. It's a, it's a, it's a personal size gathering. And so our desire at Coastal is for every single one of you to be in a small group. Because we believe deeply that this is an important part of our spiritual growth, that you have to be interacting with other people. If all you do is corporate worship, you're missing out. There are some commands in the New Testament that you can't fulfill in corporate worship, sitting in straight rows looking forward, like loving one another, all right? Really loving one, like um, putting some effort in to making a relationship right when it gets broken, okay? Um, like making sure somebody's needs are met when they're hurting and when they're going through difficult times, okay? And so small groups is where we take the explanation and the interpretation of Scripture and we intersect them with the explanation and the interpretation of life. Does that make sense? 
So we take scripture, okay, we don't, and by the way, we don't want our small groups to just be just Bible study, because if it's just Bible study, we call that seminary class, okay, and we don't want it to be just about life, because that becomes the Dr. Phil show or the Oprah show, right? And so what we want to do is we want to intersect the two, and and we want to take the word of God, and and we want to intersect it with other people so that we talk about, man, what does this stuff look like practically lived out, okay? And so at Coastal, twice a year, we do sermon-based small groups, Okay, so we are asking you, we're challenging you, hey, we want, to, we want you to give six weeks to a sermon-based small group. And what is a sermon-based small group? Well, first of all, a sermon-based small group means the small group is based around the sermon that's taught on Sunday morning. So, so and we do that on, on purpose, all right? We want you to, uh, to come and hear the sermon, and that's a, your way of preparing for your small group ministry. And, and we're very intentional about this. Now, uh, we have several, we have many small groups that do sermon-based small groups all year. Year, but we ask for two weeks out of the year, okay? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, two seasons out of the year, six weeks each time. We do one here in the fall, we'll do one in the spring. Why do we do that? Well, first of all, we want, want to give you a, a short-term commitment. We know that some people have never been in one, and you're like, man, I don't, do I have to sign up for this for the rest of my life? And so it's just a great on-ramp for six weeks. We can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get into a small group. The second thing is, the reason we do this, it it's, uh, helps you prepare for the small group. Easy preparation. Sometimes people go, I don't want to get in a small group because I don't want to read that whole book or whatever. You Half of your preparation is is uh, attending on Sunday morning, taking good notes, and preparing yourself for the discussion of your small group. Okay, the third reason we do sermon-based small groups is as a church, it gives us a direction of unity. Now, uh, we have three services on our weekend services, and and so there's a lot of people. You know, last week we were just under a thousand people. Okay, so there's a lot of people kind of moving in and out of our services, and so as a church, like how do we make sure we're all kind of going the same direction? Two seasons a year, we're all going the same direction by hearing the same sermon and talking about it in small group ministry, okay? And so, um, and so two seasons a year, we ask for six weeks, all right? And so small groups will start next week, and uh, I really, really want to encourage you, if you're not in one, to think about signing up for one. So, so how, we're, we're unified as a church in how to accomplish our vision. Connect, grow, and then the third one is what, church? You know what the serve, right? Uh, connect, grow, and serve. And so last week we had our ministry fair, and we want you to serve two ways. We want you to serve in a ministry, and we want you to serve in a mission of Coastal Community Church. Last week was our ministry fair, um, a great opportunity. And, and if you're interested, you miss that. You're like, man, I still like to serve in a ministry. We can help you do that. Let me know that on the tear-off, okay, and on the Connect card. And next, in a couple weeks we're going to do our missions fair. We're going to introduce you to some of the missions that we support at Coastal, and you're going to find out ways that you can be involved. We're trying to get every single missions group that we support here. We won't get them all, okay, but we're going to try to get a lot of them so you can meet them. So we're unified at Coastal. Doctrinally, we're unified on our vision and we're unified on how we accomplish our vision. Why? Because Christ prayed for unity for you and I for our church. All right, number two, let's talk about the foundation of unity, okay? Let's talk about the foundation of unity that Jesus prays about. And this is, I have struggled for weeks on how to put words around this and I still can't do it very well. This is breathtaking to me what we're about to read. Get this, ready? I pray, Jesus prayed, he's praying for you and I, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What's going on here? 
Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Trinity. He's talking about his incredible unified relationship with his heavenly father. He says, I want that to overflow into my people and into your church. And the foundation of our unity is founded in the character and the nature of our God that we worship. It's incredible. Our God is unified. There, there, he's one, but he's in three persons. I can't, I can't explain the mystery out of the Trinity. But in a very similar sense, God calls us to be one with him, one with each other, and unified. It's what he expects of his church. Unity in the church is an overflow of worshiping our God. I want you to hear that again. Unity in our church is an overflow of worshiping our God. The Bible knows nothing of a people that loves God but doesn't love his church. The Bible knows nothing of a people that love God but doesn't love his church. And that foundation goes to the very character of God. It disgusts me when people claim to be Christians and put down the church. I hate it. I hate it. Because I look out in this room, man, and I see people that God loves deeply and died for. And the person that you're bothered with, God loves deeply and... God sent his son to die for. Where the, the images of the New Testament for the church are incredible. The body of Christ. The bride of Christ. And he's preparing us for that kind of the, the image we get in Revelation. It's the wedding feast, the wedding day where the bridegroom will come and take the bride unto himself. And, and, and yet we want to run around and put the bride down all the time. I don't get people that stir up disunity and dissension inside the church body. Like, we have to be really careful with that. We have to be really careful with our tongues and how we speak about the bride of Christ. There should be a, a sense of actual holiness about, around, about the people of God and God's people, His church. Because if you love God, you will love his people. And the prayer of Christ is that the overflow of his character, the character of the Godhead would be in the church. And his desire is that we would work humbly together and we would work in unity together. John writes this in 1 John chapter 4. He says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see... How can we love God whom we cannot see? We have to have a deep passion for one another. The foundation of unity inside of the church has everything to do with knowing and worshiping the God of the Bible, which is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Right? When you become a Christian, you get a, get a deposit of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. That's why, you know, Pastor Joey was reminded us we were singing that one song, like if, if you love obedience, if you love obedience to the word of God, 
the, the love of obedience is not just something you muster up into yourself to have behavior modification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that makes us love righteousness and love holiness because that's who God is. And if we love unity in the church, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It says, man, I want you to be unified. Just as Jesus prays, just as Father, you and I are unified. I want them to be unified. John chapter 15, if you remember when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this in John 15. He says, but I will send an advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he testifies about God. And what is God? God is unified in the person and work of Christ. And he wants that to overflow into how we live with one another, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? People want a spirit-led church. I want a spirit-led church. I want a spirit-led church. What does that mean? It means to be unified with one another, to care for one another, to love one another deeply. That's the work of the Spirit. And there's some mystery here to be sure, but church, as I was praying about this, I was like, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would unify us so that we'll make Christ famous. We get sideways on so many stupid things. Help us know when we need to lay something down or when we have to have a conversation, but God, help us to be unified so that Christ would be made famous. Now, here's the final thing I want you to see this morning. That's the result of unity. I want you to see the result of unity. John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus prays this. He says, I am in them. You're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me that you love them as much as I love you. Jesus prays, listen, if they'll be unified, the world will take notice of Christ. If they'll be unified, the world will take notice of Jesus Christ. You know, the end goal of our unity is to make Jesus famous. The overflow of the church's unity is to make Jesus famous. Let me ask you something. I said this earlier, so I'd come back to it. Um, if unity lifts up Christ and makes him famous, do you think the converse is also true, right? Which gets to our culture. I asked the question, you know, would, would people look at the Church of America and go, man, they're really unified? Probably not. Um, <clears throat> and I believe the con- converse is also true, right? And I talked about this last week. Like the biggest cha- like One of the biggest challenges I see to the church in America is that we have this consumerist mentality, what can I get? What can I get? What, what's that church servicing me instead of what can I give, right? And if, they're not, if I'm not getting anything, man, I'll just bounce to the place down the street. And a lot of church growth in America is just a bunch of believers jumping from one shop to the next, right? And, and since the, one of the, one of the uh, uh, illustrations for followers of Jesus in the New Testament is sheep, right? They're sheep. And so I always say we're going from one sheep pen to the other sheep pen. Right? And we're just bouncing back and forth. And, 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 and why? Because we're asking, what can I get? Rather, what can I give? And you can give wherever God told you to plant roots. And I think this consumer's mentality is, is, is killing the church in America. And Jesus says, I, I want them to be unified so that the world will see that the Father loves them just as he loves me. And this is, I've loved them. And so very practically speaking, what's the result of unity? Here's the very practical part of it, ready? Love for one another. Love for one another. If you remember, I, uh, before I started this sermon series, I said, um, 
or in this portion of our sermon series, I said that we were going to park in John chapter 13 to John chapter 17. It's this last sermon um, of Christ to his 11 disciples uh, before he's crucified, buried, and then resurrected, okay? And so uh, he has the Last Supper. Judas goes off to betray him uh, into the hands of, of the temple guards and the Roman guards. And so, um, and so Jesus, as he leaves, says this, and this is the beginning of this teaching, John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, Now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will do what, church? What's it say next? Well, what? Prove. Isn't that amazing? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I always say, you know, one of the things that fascinates me about the church in America is like, we get super excited when the next Christian movie comes out. Like, well, this is going to be a big one, you know? Like, this one's going to change the world, right? Or when some famous person is going to give their testimony, like some Hollywood star or some athlete, you know? Like, oh, man, did you hear so-and-so? Like, they're giving their testimony. Like, this is going to make a big difference. Did you hear what they said after they won the Super Bowl? They did that, you know, like, wow, you know, like, and we get super excited about that. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm reading my New Testament right, it's not about someone famous giving a testament about Jesus. That's great. If they have the opportunity to do that, I'm so thankful when men and women that love Jesus do that and use their platform to make Christ famous. But way more than that, according to Jesus, the way that the world is going to know about him is when we love each other. Fascinating, isn't it? Not worship great, sing good, great music, preacher yelling loud, all that stuff. Man, it is that we actually love one another. Church, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? See, this idea that we come up with about connect, grow, serve, like we didn't just come one day and go, hey, that seems like a good idea. Like, this is, this is real stuff. This is the stuff we put in front of you, not some program or checkbox. Like, we think this is the best way to accomplish this in our culture. And so I'm going to let you out of here in a, a minute, minute early, okay? And, uh, like I did last week. It's, it's getting to be like snow days. Like, get out of here early, you know? But, um, but, but the reason is I want you to get into a small group, okay? So do me a favor. Uh, inside of your bulletin uh, is a handout. It's a, what we're calling a menu, all right? Uh, so a couple things. If you're already in a small group and you're planning on attending, just let your leader know. You can, you can uh, email them or whatever. If you're in a small group and you want to use this as an opportunity, try a different small group. It's a great opportunity. Just tell your small group leader, hey, you know what? I need a transition, whatever. Uh, I need another day or I want to change groups. I want to get to know some new people. It's a great opportunity to do that. Okay. If you've never been in a small group, I really, really want to encourage you. It's been a long time. This is a great opportunity. We're asking for six weeks. Actually, it'll probably be seven. Okay, we'll do six weeks of a sermon-based small group, and then the seventh, we're going to ask all our small groups to do a serve project, okay? So you and your group probably come up with a way to serve. Okay, so there's a menu, okay? There's groups by type, okay? So if you're looking for a men's group or a women's group, they're over there in that corner on the way out. There's a sign-up sheet, okay? You can let the small group leader know. If you're looking for a mixed group, mixed means that there's men, women, married, singles, different age groups, whatever, uh, that's over here, okay? Uh, and that's the mixed groups. If you're looking for some college groups or, or life stage groups, they're in here too. So we got 
got groups by type, okay, men's, women's, college, mix, those kind of things. And then we got groups by day, okay, so maybe you're like, man, I, I really just need a Tuesday or something. Like, that's what works for my schedule. That's on here as well, okay? So you can find a group that fits your schedule, fix your time. I want you to use this menu. You can go out on the way out at one of the corners, and we want you to get signed up. We want you to be in a small group because we think that's where this intersection of Christ's prayer and Christ's command to love one another intersects with real life to be in a small group, okay? So let me close with prayer and get you out of here uh, so that you can uh, sign up for a small group and join us for six weeks during the Authentic Series. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the prayer of Jesus Christ. Thank you for his encouragement to, to have unity in the body, which reflects the Godhead, the very nature of our God. And God, it is not easy to be unified. It takes humility. It takes the work of the Spirit. It takes being molded into the image of Christ to have unity. I pray for the one in this room that as I've been challenging right now, your Spirit's working on them to join in a small group. God, I pray that they would have spiritual courage to join up and be a part, God, and see what you do as we intersect teaching and the word with relationships and community, God. And I pray for our smuggers. I pray there be unity, there be life change, there be people growing in service and glory and in being molded more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this opportunity, God. I pray that we as a church would love one another, work in unity so that Jesus is made famous. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time, okay? Do something a little bit different during the offering time. We put together a small group video that we want you to see. These are some folks that last year were in a small group and just share a little bit of their story, how it encouraged them, how it helped them grow close to Christ. If you're here this morning uh, and you're a guest with us this, during our offering time, we want you to feel an obligation to give. Uh, this service is our gift to you. And uh, we, we, this is just one of the ways we worship God at Coast Community Church. If you're here this morning, you have a prayer need. We always have our prayer team members. They're up here near the front usually. Uh, they're designated by purple shirts, so you kind of know who they are. And uh, they would love to pray with you if you have a prayer need before uh, you go. So this is our small group video. Check this out, and then Joey will close us out.